Welcome to The Noncast, an ongoing conversation around the topics of spirituality and culture for those who find themselves wondering and wandering on the fringe of religion. I'm Nathan Roberts. And I'm Stephen Drager. We're hoping to create a safe space for the rest of us to be honest. So this is for anyone, regardless of their faith background or life circumstance or current musings in regards to life and faith matters. And it's for all the noms out there. So the folks who no longer identify with any one stream of Christianity or may be questioning their commitment to a faith tradition altogether. For those deconstructing and reconstructing and for those who are finally being honest about their questions and feelings, we welcome you. I live in Los Angeles County and I work as a high school youth pastor, but also as a uh, music director at a medium-sized church uh, within the L.A. County. I um, am what I would like to consider an intellect, and I don't mean that I'm super, super smart, but I love knowledge and I love learning. So um, the fields of psychology and philosophy um, are fascinating to me. I also love really good beer and whiskey and... um, I'm also a, a father to a five-year-old and a husband to my beautiful wife. Uh, I also have, I think, one of my prides and joy in life right now is uh, my one-year-old border collie that I've been training uh, in in disc competition and uh, service training, and it's just been extremely fun. Is it is this real real disc training like competition? Oh yeah, dude. So your dog is gonna compete. I haven't wanted to like enter him into any competitions because I'm a perfectionist and <laughs> I think that my state, I, I, at least I'm realizing my standards are too high, but we have mm. friends who do this and they've said that he's ready and I'm terrified of putting him out there. <laughs> and yet he does so good. And every time that we're out the, like at the park practicing stunts and stuff, people like literally will stop and gather around and watch I mean, I've seen the videos. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's phenomenal. And he's like, he's just doing so good. That's so cool. I had no idea that that was a real thing. Oh yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Well, this is Nathan Roberts and I, I I used to live in Orange County, California and Stephen and I will share a little bit in a a moment here, but met um, when I was working at a church in East LA County, I have since relocated to Northwest Arkansas and my wife and I live out here with two cats, um, one with razor sharp claws, the other one who's fat and slow. Um, both of them are great. And right now I, I do not work for a church. Uh, I do some creative things in the real estate world. And, uh, and I still have a love for the church despite a variety of frustrations and past wounds um, and, and things that I wish were really different. And now I find myself in a, uh, a completely different and new faith tradition, uh, still within Christianity, but different from anything that I've experienced before. And, um, it's been really, really refreshing for me. And, and I'm sure that Stephen and I will share more in the episodes to come about, um, what our faith background is, but to give you a brief, um, just a brief example of that. I, I grew up in a, uh, conservative evangelical church. And after, after my family relocated to a new church, um, it was a non-denominational evangelical church and kind of just was in that stream for a long time. I ended up though going to seminary, at what was a, a con, um, conservative Christian, uh, university and ended up finding myself in a program that of all the different programs I could have taken was actually the most progressive theologically. And, uh, that was, that was actually a huge shock to me. I didn't even know it at the time. It wasn't until I looked back at it later on. And I realized that what they were doing is pretty cutting edge for the type of university that I was at. Um, I really began to appreciate the ways that it expanded some of my perspective. And one of the things that I, I think about in particular is I remember reading through a Wesleyan prayer service which was really, really different for me than anything else that I had experienced up until that point. And in going through this Wesleyan prayer service, I remember thinking, oh, wow, there's, there's tons of people throughout Christendom who uh, who exercise this type of liturgy in their gatherings and who find this incredibly meaningful. And this is completely new and completely different to me. 
and at the time didn't really connect with me very much. But I remember that being a huge expansive kind of uh, perspective shifter for me when I realized that there were more ways to worship than the way and the ways in which I had worshiped growing up. So that was a huge turning point for me. And now I find myself um, kind of more in that liturgical setting uh, since having moved um, and left my job in, in the evangelical church. So you and I both grew up in very conservative backgrounds, uh, mm-hmm. probably very similar. I, we never talked about this, but probably very similar streams of the Christian tradition. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's funny that you went to seminary, which is just a fancy word for your master's degree in Christian studies. Uh, yeah. But you went and was surprised at the progressive ideas and I went to seminary and picked a very progressive school on purpose. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Which I think is just funny. But we, we both met kind of in the aftermath, but intersection of those musings. And yeah. Yeah. It, well, and maybe I should say a little bit more on, on what it is that I studied. I studied spiritual formation. And um, yeah, man, what, what is that? A, Can you define that for those tot- of us totally. who are idiots and laymen and maybe didn't grow up in the Christian church? Uh, well, there's, I, I don't actually think that spiritual formation is all that common. And I, in fact, for those who do know about spiritual formation, I don't think that people would hear it and say, oh, that's a progressive ideology. Now, there's definitely those people. I remember being in classes and having professors say, um, uh, hey, there's there's websites out there that are basically devoted to trying to take us out. And here are the reasons why they don't like us. It's because we... We study um, things like contemplation and meditation and centering prayer, and they think that that's too Eastern. And so um, what my program was trying to do was to redeem a variety of, of faith traditions throughout Christianity over the last 2,000 years, even reaching back beyond that into like different Judaic practices of faith. And, and for people who are conservative, you could say on the, on the extreme right when it comes to theology, um, anything that looks like non-Western spirituality freaks them out. And so in uh, contemporary Western spirituality, so like meditation, uh, contemplation that can be seen by some in the conservative Christian Christian world as, as Eastern mysticism and Eastern practices. And yeah, isn't that just hippie stuff from the devil, Nathan? <laughs> That's what some like to think. So spiritual formation, though, as a study, is, is can be boiled down to the study of becoming more like Jesus. Um, at least that's the way that we try to to look at it. Um, that said, there was, there was kind of this phrase that we would use that by the time you're, you realize that you uh, have been spiritually formed, you, um, it's a bit too late. Like it's, it's that point where you wake up to your spiritual formation that you realize just how, um, how deep the different types of upbringings that you were part of, uh, have shaped you. And so then there's, there's a bit of an undoing of those types of things. And for me at Talbot in spiritual formation, I realized while I was there, um, that I had grown up in a, in a culture of shame and a culture of guilt I realized um, that although the churches I was a part of liked to say that they were about the love of God, most of the most of the the pastors or the sermons that I heard, they had more to do with um, me being just a, a filthy, dirty sinner than they did anything uh, about about who God said I was from the very beginning. Um, the origin story of man uh, as being people who are beloved, um, created by the divine to be image bearers and loved innately just by virtue of being created. So, uh, as I, as I went through my classes, as I went through spiritual formation or some people might be familiar with the practice of spiritual, um, spiritual direction, um, that, that experience for me and spiritual direction is when you sit with somebody who's helping you hear from God. So it feels a little bit like therapy, but the focus is different. And so sitting with spiritual directors and just receiving from them uh, divine love and having that be this embodiment of the Christ was incredibly transformative and didn't look or feel like anything else I'd experienced up until that point. And that's why I say that's that was really progressive for me looking back on that. The emphasis was not on 
uh, shaping up or getting clean. It was on love. It was on grace. Yeah. So I attended a, uh, a seminary in Pasadena called Fuller Seminary, um, which is oddly enough, very conservative when you're kind of laying it next to really, really liberal uh, seminaries and is very progressive and liberal when you <laughs> lay it next to conservative yeah. uh, seminaries and kind of right there in the middle, which is nice. And they, I think they can, they boast a, a very diverse faculty um, from different faith traditions, which is really nice. That was kind of one of the, the, um, what do you call it? The things that like drew me to this seminary was uh, I, I knew I was going to get a wide variety of beliefs and perspectives and practices. Um, and yeah, it was amazing. I think for me, one of the things I've loved the most is like learning how to read the Bible better. Cause I grew up in a very, again, very conservative, uh, non-denom church, which is basically just like a cheater word for Baptist. <laughs> like every, <laughs> if you think about it, every non-denom is really just Baptist and like in, in some way, shape or form. Um, and so like I grew up, you know, you know, believing what most Christians believe, most good Christians, you know, the Bible is without error and that the Bible, um, is absolutely true and is the only thing that you need. And it's the only source of truth in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. and this is, you know, your daily bread. And so this is the thing that you, um, like receive your life and sustenance from. And It, it was, it was on the same level as God, God's self. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Bible is God's like, you know, spoken, breathed out word to humanity and you don't question it. Right. Because the question in the Bible is to question God's very existence. Yeah. And you don't do that in church. And <laughs> I'm like, I am a natural born skeptic. Um, I think I'm a life hardened cynic. Um, and so even from an early age, like I was, you know, kind of like some of these things didn't make sense, but they were kind of forced down my throat a little bit, um, to where I would say like, I was definitely indoctrinated into believing what I believed, right? It was passed down from my parents to me. And, um, I think I got to a point where I had this perfect little bubble um, and that consisted of what I believed about the world, what I believed about God, what I believed about, um, you know, Christianity and, and what it meant for me. Um, and then at one point in my life, I, um, kind of, I, something happened in my life, which we, we can, we'll talk about it probably on another episode, um, that made everything just tumble down and fall to the ground. And, in Christian circles, we, we basically call that deconstruction, right? I had to take apart mm-hmm. everything that I believed about God and about Christianity and about the church and life itself. Um, and I had to revamp like how I perceived the world and everything in it. Um, and, and so, and I even spent a bunch of time in, in what I, what I like to call atheist land, um, mm-hmm. where I just, I didn't believe in God at all. And it just, it, you know, it didn't make sense. Um, I think because of the, you know, pragmatically what I was given before, um, didn't match what I was experiencing in the world. And it wasn't the first time it was kind of one of those like needles, you know, the, or the, the straw that broke the camel's back, uh, kind of thing. And I got to a point where I realized none of like all this is bullshit and I don't believe any of this anymore. And, um, I had to kind of start rebuilding my worldview and my God view from the ground up. Um, and it's ironic because actually when, when you and I met Nathan, I was probably still would still consider myself partially atheistic. And I would, I don't know if I, it's safe to say this, well, I, I could probably fine because I'm not announcing the church I'm going to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I would even say that there's like, there's a, there's a little atheist still living inside of me. Um, you know, and you probably um, mean something incredibly profound by that. So I'd love, I'd love for you to, and what I mean by that is 
I invited Jesus to live in my heart, and then I invited this atheist to live in my heart too, and they get along great. (laughs) (laughs) There are times where I feel like I am confident about where I have quote-unquote arrived in my beliefs about God, and then there are times where I feel like I'm absolutely full of shit, and Mm. I... You know, I think, you know, I don't think I've got anything right. And I don't think anybody else has anything right. And Mm, I think that it's all subjective and we're all just trying to figure it out. And then we're going to die and hopefully we'll know who was right, (laughs) quote unquote, you know, after we die. Um, Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so it's funny because I'm, you know, and, and I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, a hypocrite or, um, you know, I don't, I think that I wear this on my sleeve even within like my Christian community. Um, but I'm, you know, involved regularly with teaching and, you know, raising high school students, uh, while also leading our, um, congregation, our church family in worship through music. And yet at the same time, I embrace, you know, the ideas that I might be totally off and I might Mm -hmm. not have anything right. And, You know, and sometimes it bothers me more than other days. But, um, you know, I think for the most part, there's this kind of balance with I wouldn't even call it attention. I think it used to be attention. But now there's this balance inside of me of um, I believe and affirm the things that I believe <laughs> uh, and mm-hmm. also want to reject and renounce everything I believe. Um, yeah. I just want to interject and say. For anybody who goes to church right now, works in the church, and has wondered, is the past does the pastor on stage actually believe all the things he or she is saying? Probably not. There, there's probably, to some degree, there's probably that sense of like as it's coming out of that person's mouth, and not all the time, of course, but as it's coming out of their mouth, where they're like, God, do I, do I really, do I really believe all of this stuff? And I'm speaking from experience. There were so many times that as a worship leader that I'd be uh, instructing the congregation or reading, reading scripture or, and trying to encourage people about who, who the God is that we worship. And in the, on the inside, just feeling um, so filled with doubt. So, so hesitant, so skeptical, so unsure if those things that I was saying were actually true. And, uh, and there were so many times that I did feel fake and there were so many times there were so many times that I just wanted to say, guys, I, I don't know about any of this. I don't today. I, I'm not there, but I felt like there was a job title that I had to live up to that prevented me from actually getting to be honest about those things, which is a part of why this podcast exists. I mean, we, we're titling today's podcast. What the hell is the noncast? And this is our attempt to be more honest, I think, about about who who we are, where we're at, the journey that so many people have been on. And hopefully in some way we're, we're able to give language to the things that you as a listener that you've been experiencing, thinking and feeling sitting in church or out of church wondering, uh, is any of this, is any of this for real? Um, are, are any of these people, um, really what they say they are when they're on stage? Uh, do they, do they think the same ways that they think off the stage, um, and on the stage now, Nathan, so does that make pastors hypocrites, you know, to be saying one thing and not fully believing it, or does that make us a little bit more human? Yeah. I mean, I would say very human. Um, but at the same time, I mean, where I honestly want to go is, well, let's talk about the, the system and what's wrong with the broken system. Because pastors, okay, in all places, of all places, the the location in which you should be able to be the most honest is when you're with people who say that they're your brother, sister, family, that they love you, that you're accepted, where you are invited into God's grace and you're reminded uh, of God's grace by one another. Of all the places, that should be where you can stand up as a pastor on a stage and say, Today, I'm just not sure. Today, I'm not there. Last week, I might have been, but today, I'm not. And so there seems to be something that's just fundamentally wrong with with our system of church and Christendom at this time where people feel like they have to have it together all the time. Because reality is, none of us have it all the way together all the time. 
but very few people actually are willing to be honest about that. So that doesn't totally answer your question, but that's my answer. The, the, the system is the thing that's broken there. Um, but you were wondering, does it make them more human or hypocrites? Human or hypocrites? Hmm. The thing that makes them human about that is that there's a very legitimate fear that comes in of if I am honest about this, uh, what will be the result? Oh, dude, we could talk for hours about how churches also just a business and you Mm -hmm. know if i were to admit you know that i don't totally believe this or i'm not 100 percent on board with this thing that i'm (laughs) saying um i'm out of a job yeah (laughs) or you know people are gonna stop giving their money to me uh yeah yeah or they'll go to the elders and demand that you know i be suspended or something like that yeah yeah so i wonder how much that um like fear of you know, doubt and stuff is really more systemic and, and mm-hmm. probably, probably, I mean, well, yeah, we should talk about this at some point, probably not just, uh, systemic, but in terms of, you know, church, uh, community and business and leadership. Um, but even philosophically when it comes to religion and how do certain religious beliefs, um, kind of negate certain, experiences or uh feelings you know Mm. and and if for example if you know if christians are supposed to trust and if christians are supposed to you know put their hope in jesus then in a way those beliefs kind of leave no room for doubt or um you know mistrust or weariness right right oh man yeah there's so many places we could go with that um Man, I mean, this isn't what we're talking about today, but since since it's coming up for me, I mean, a, a big a big thing that I have an issue with in the church right now is that many, many faith traditions within Christendom have have asked people to divorce themselves from their emotions. Um, that's a disembodied humanity, though. And. And what I mean, there again, there's so many places we could go with that, um, but since we're talking about like doubts and do the people on the stage really believe all the things that they're saying um, to, to, to not necessarily believe every single thing that you're sharing uh, and to not feel the permission to be honest about that out of the fear of, will I still be accepted? Will the people that I'm pastoring still pay my paycheck? Uh, will the, will the pastor that I'm working for, will they still see me as a worthy employee um, I mean, there, what that ends up doing is just it silos people out. It isolates people. It makes them feel like they can't be seen or heard or known. Um, and so, and so when they're on the stage, they have to be known or even maybe we should, maybe we should change this conversation from being on the stage and even being in the seats of a church, uh, and the, and the people are on, um, what are those things called? Things that pews, the pews, (laughs) pew, 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 the people sitting in the pews or the chairs. uh, I mean, how, how often do people sitting in the pews ask the question or or feel, feel the same need that they, they, they emulate what's modeled for them on the stage essentially. So, okay, well that guy or that gal, that person seems like they're full of faith. That person seems like they got it all together. That person says everything is good. God is with us. God, and they're talking all these flowery, all, all of this Disney-esque kind of church stuff, all the Christianese that comes along with that. And so I guess I have to emulate that. Which can oftentimes, yeah, that can, and that can perpetuate a cycle of shame even. Yes, yes, because then it's all internalized of I don't actually believe what I'm saying right now. But when I turn to you give and pass the peace or give you a blessing or a greeting, I'm going to pretend like everything's okay, even though it's not. And then that's going to drive me deeper and deeper into this place of isolation and shame because I don't feel like I can actually be known or honest in this place. Yeah. Or even where on a Sunday morning, you're surrounded by, you know, people on stage who seem like they're on fire for God, as as we say in the Christian community, or people who are devoted. And, and then even to look around you and go, oh, look at how many people have their hands raised during this song. I, I mean, for, ironically, I'm a worship leader 
And if I'm not on stage and even on stage, I won't lift my, I don't lift my hands, but if I'm not on stage, I'm making sure that I'm in the very back row where no one can see me and I'm just <laughs> standing there. And I, you know, and, and I think people would see me and they would go, this guy is, if they didn't know me, I think they would be like, this guy needs Jesus <laughs> because I'm, I think I'm the most non-expressive, you know, uh, yeah, internal isolating person and so i get it i'm i'm right there with you like i i've had many of those moments where i feel like am i not doing enough or am Mm -hmm. i not holy enough or you know in love with god enough because i'm not responding the way that everybody else here is Mm -hmm. and ooh, that's a good one well okay and the only thing i'm going to say on that is i find it really ironic that you could go to a charismatic church and if you're a baptist you'll feel like like you're the oddball out, right? Like, and you'll feel ashamed for not, not jumping up and down, clapping, shouting, lifting your hands. If you go into a Baptist church and you're charismatic, you'll probably feel shamed for lifting your hands, jumping around, uh, lifting your voice and lifting your hands. So I just, I find that incredibly ironic that in both places you can be the outcast or the shamed. Yeah. Which is, you know, the, the, the church, right? The Christian communities is the last place that anybody should feel like an outcast. I mean, yeah. the entire Christian faith is built on one man who befriended the the outcast, mm. and yet, come on, the Christian, you know, tr- tradition in the last two thousand years has been to, you know, uh, remove the outcast or make the outcast like us. Yeah, to eliminate the outcast, essentially. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, so man. no, 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 wait, wait. Uh, well, you, you might have something good, but I just want to sit on that for a second. Like that's, <laughs> that's so true. You and I have never talked about that before, it's or true. at least you've never put it that way. And I just want to let that sink in, I guess. Oh, I could, we could do a 10 hour podcast episode on what I think about outcasts in the church. <laughs> well, we'll write it down. and it's funny because i I think this is one of those reasons you know most people that leave the church or you know are against christianity aren't against christianity because of its values they're against christianity because they see a you know a a disconnect between what people say they believe and how they live or Mm -hmm. act you know hypocrisy and Mm -hmm. i would say the same thing i mean it's this idea that you know christians say you know we need to befriend the outcast and, and be there for people, uh, which, oh, dude, there's so many things wrong with that statement right there, <laughs> but for brevity's sake, uh, and, and really it's who, who in the church is doing a, a solid job at inviting in the people who are outcast today, right? So any, mm. any of the LGBTQ persons, uh, you know, anybody really, any, I mean, anybody who disagrees with <laughs> your own beliefs, you yeah. know, the, the Islamic, the, the Hindu, the, the homeless person, the, you yeah, know, yeah. the drug addict. I mean, we, the list goes on of, of, you know, I think if you were to take inventory of all the people who are outside a group, I think Christianity could probably boast the largest list of those who are outside their group i that just reminded me of a story i was talking with somebody a few weeks ago and they had shared with me so so they work for different artists uh like musical artists and um uh, they had been on tour with this christian singing group and they had a show in in dallas um and i don't know the church she didn't she didn't share the name i don't think but they had a show in dallas and when the person who, who came from the church to pick up this Christian singing group uh, um, came and picked them up, they they basically, the person driving said, yeah, we're building this brand new, I, I don't remember the number of millions, but I think it was like two or four million dollar building. They said, we're building this brand new, like four million dollar building. Um, but our concern is that there's a homeless community there and we want to stay nice and we're worried that people are going to camp up in the homeless community in this part of the church that we're building. And this Christian artist uh, said, oh, wouldn't that be a wonderful outreach opportunity for you guys? And my, uh, my, my friend that I was talking to, who's telling me this story is like, wait a second, what's wrong with these people? If they say that they're Christians, that they, that they follow Jesus, like 
shouldn't they, of all people, be the ones to welcome the homeless in, to give them a place to sleep, to not be concerned about their facility becoming contaminated with their filth, but rather to be like, yeah, yeah, stay here, please, it's warm. There's a place for you to lay your head. And 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 the contrast of that, of like building up an empire and shutting out what is, quote unquote, the outcast, uh, is, is just the, the irony is sickening, of course. Yeah, so... <laughs> Ironically, I have a friend who is in the music industry and he has grown up in the church and he helps lead worship at different churches, uh, at least the music portion. And he has been on tour as one of the background vocalists for Kanye West's Sunday service. (laughs) And he has said it has been one of the most spiritually profound, Mm. uh, you know, quote unquote performances of his life. Yeah, I bet. And I mean, that right there, I mean, those two stories is just evidence of how blurred the lines really are. You know, the, the lines that the Christian community wants to draw in the sand mm. are actually, you know, <laughs> totally oh. backwards. Well, OK, o- on that note, when I was a worship leader, the most profound spiritual experience I had had uh over the two and a half years that I was employed by this church and, and working in this job was um, while watching the Broadway production of Hamilton, mm-hmm. not in New York, but I mean in Orange County and watching that was the most spiritual experience I'd had in two and a half years. Oh, and dude. I, I was hit so deeply with that reality of like, Oh, cause I remember thinking to myself while I was in, in, in the uh, auditorium watching the show, I was like, Oh, I'm worshiping right now. Um, but it wasn't because of Christian lyrics or a pastor who was in front of me. Um, there was something else that was going on in my heart and uh, in, in the soul, we could say, that was actually leading me into a place of of worship, of adoration of the divine. Dude, every single one of those moments for me has been with some Coldplay song. <laughs> and I hate that I say that because so many people hate Coldplay. And ev- no, I feel like everyone said amen right then, but maybe not. <laughs> oh, man. So, hey, I, I feel like people need to know kind of uh, how you and I met. And Oh, yes. I, yeah. Can so, we go for may it? I begin? Yeah. Uh, Steven actually came in as an interviewee uh, for a position at the church I was working at. Which, and by the way, I don't have, I never, never mentioned this to you, but that was like on the fringe of my, like, still kind of in atheist land. That's wonderful. And, no, I don't and, think you've said that before. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was like, probably like, if, if you were to, you know, have the scales of like my Christian beliefs versus my atheist beliefs, the, the atheist beliefs would have outweighed the Christian beliefs. And yet I found myself applying for this youth pastor job at your church. That's so great. I, here's here's one of the things that stuck out to me the most and why I liked you so much as a candidate, which um, uh, at this point, just so the, the whole internet knows, uh, at this point in the process, Stephen was the number one pick <laughs> uh, until, until he ended up pulling himself out of the running. But um, what I liked so much about you is that in the interview with like, you know, senior pastor and who would be your boss and all that. You're like, Oh yeah, yeah. I see my, I see my ministry right now as, um, going to bars with people and like having conversations about like God. And I was like, yes, this homeboy drinks. <laughs> I'm not alone. Um, which by the way, also, uh, internet, I am drinking a glass of redemption rye whiskey right now. And Steven is drinking. Um, right now I'm drinking Elysian space dust. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, and and only because it's all I have in my fridge, and uh, a few of the breweries next to my house don't open until four o'clock, mm. and at which point I will go get my growler filled and partake in that for the next couple of days. There you go. So yeah, I I loved that you were like yeah yeah I want to I want to I want to keep doing that I want to go to bars and I want to meet with people and talk about Jesus. So, so that's why you were number one in the running for me. It wasn't because of anything else. We're just like, oh, we need this voice in our church. We need somebody with this perspective. Oh man. Yeah. And I remember feeling so nervous because I was like, oh my God, 
I'm like applying for this job and with like if like in the interview process or even worse if I get hired like at some point I'm gonna get outed because I'm totally <laughs> in the closet right now I'm in the closet as an atheist like kind of I still believe in God you know but I'm not really sure what I believe other than like three things I got three things I'm confident about <laughs> and that's it that's so funny. Okay, so then months later, so Stephen Stephen withdraws from the interview process. Oh yeah. Okay, so um, I was dating my now wife at the time, and ironically, I think even in that time, I think probably the the most spiritual I've ever been in my life uh, up to that point. And you know, it was uh, my wife and I were, or my girlfriend at the time and I were um, talking about the church and. And both her and I went, I don't feel like this is the spot for us. And I went, yeah, I know. I've kind of just, I've, I've held on because, you know, I, I, I knew that it would be a full-time job with benefits. And, um, and we were both actually at the time bartending. So we were bartending, which is really good money. If anybody, <laughs> if anybody out there is a bartender, <laughs> you know, um, I have not made nearly as much money working in the church <laughs> as I have bartending. Um, and, you know, both of us kind of were like, we, we had to kind of take inventory of like, is this the church we want to be at? And both of us kind of, the thing that we asked uh, ourselves was, you know, would we be comfortable inviting any of our lesbian, gay, or trans friends to this church, knowing that as bartenders, we were having conversation with a lot of people that were getting curious about Christianity and, and, um, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And both of us just went, no, I don't think it would be a safe place for them. And, but we both went the church we've been attending for a couple months. That feels like a safe place for them. And so we both went, Oh, I guess we'll just keep going to that church and bartending <laughs> and, you know, it's a bummer because I'm kind of I'm kind of think I might be ready to work at a church again, and uh, literally I I turned down the I I withdrew my application like what a few days before you guys were going to offer me the job. Probably so. Yeah, he had gotten to like the end of the interview process. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, we decided to stay at the church, and you know call it a coincidence or a God moment. Uh, but literally like two weeks later the worship leader who I'm now in that position announced that they were stepping down. And that interview process was like limited to a list of 10 candidates that the worship leader gave the church. So they weren't doing any outside hiring. They weren't looking at anybody else and they only let me apply out of a courtesy. And even like now, like my, our, my boss says, yeah, we, we weren't actually considering you legitimately we were just being nice and and yet all like all our entire staff that weekend that i led were like yep that's the one and so so because, weird is it because they knew you drank i think it's because i took a shot like on stage while i would no i'm kidding that's, <laughs> i would not get away with that nor would i want to i don't think taking a shot while i'm playing music would be any good for my musical caliber <laughs> oh man that's why i don't play music when i'm drunk <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, but so okay, so I think at that point is when I reached out to you and a handful of other worship leaders in the area. After you got hired, yeah. Yeah. And the purpose of that was I realized I think I'd been in had the job for probably six months and was still kind of like balancing that atheist Christian balance and mm. was like, Oh man, I, I can't be the only one who is working in a church and struggling with like everything and so Wait, I that's the reason why you reached out oh yeah so i i think in my email i said something about like hey i want to create a safe space for everybody to vent about their jobs and and to vent about like you know just what we do and wow. yeah and it was you and one other person that like actually got back to me out of like 12 emails and yeah 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 and so we met and then we had burritos together or enchiladas, one of the two. Yeah. And I think that at that point we learned that we both enjoyed alcohol. Probably and, so. And so every meeting after was at a pub. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, 
I, so I, I learned, I learned that I, I mean, you were the first person I think that, that made me realize, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not alone with my my thoughts, my questions, my doubts. Now, I had heard plenty of podcasts and other voices, um, like established voices, I guess you could say, talk about their journey in deconstruction, their questions, their doubts. Um, those things were available, and, and those people said, you're not alone. But I didn't know anybody else in my community that actually thought or felt the way that I did. And I don't even know how it came up at that lunch, but I mean, we probably talked for two hours and over the course of that, that lunchtime, I realized like, oh, no, 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 Steven, Steven's where I'm at. Like, I, I think I would have said at the time, I think I left that meeting, called my wife and was like, I feel so full right now because I just met somebody who thinks and feels like I do. Hmm. Um, and he's, I think I, I literally think I told her he's further along on the journey than I am, but um, but he knows what it's like to be where I'm at. Mm. And I hadn't met anybody. I hadn't, hadn't personally come in contact with anybody else. I mean, it's one thing to listen to podcasts. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh yes, I identify so much with these people. Um, I'm so glad that there's people to identify with. And I'm so sorry if there hasn't been anybody physically in your life yet that you've, um, come in contact with who has been able to say like, yes, me too. I feel that same way. Or I've had those same thoughts and I hope, I hope that you eventually get to experience that. And, and it's probably going to take you being really vulnerable and risking and daring to actually speak up and tell somebody, this is where I'm at. These are my thoughts. Have you ever experienced that too? Um, it's kind of a special relationship initially too, because you might say those things and somebody might say, yeah, I've been there as well, but, and then they'll try to change your mind and try to convince you that, all the things you've always believed in the past are still good to believe or true. And you might be in a place where you're like, I, I just can't though. I can't hold on to them anymore. So all of that said, uh, yeah, Steven, you were the, you were the first person for me to come in contact with who I was like, Oh, he, th- he's like me. I'm not alone here. Thanks man. Yeah. I think I can thank life circumstances <laughs> for that. Mm, and yeah. it's funny. Would you agree that like, you know, I think if we were to be honest and true with the majority of our Christian community about this stuff, probably many of the maybe more conservative people would call us, you know, heretics and, yep. you know, all this stuff, and, you know, and would say that we're not real Christians or we're not, you know. And yet at the same time, would you say that, like, we feel more fully alive than Absolutely. ever? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, because I think being being alive okay to be honest i think is to be alive i think i think in some kind of mystical way those ideas are synonymous with one another yeah because if you when you live in a denial of the authentic self the real self um and all that you're doing is is living in the projection of the false self because that's the self that you think is going to be loved and accepted i mean that is that's not really living. That's existing. That's getting by. That's keeping up with the community expectations that maybe you've been, you know, left to left to live up to. But is that really living? Because I think to be to to be alive is um, it's so many things. But part of it is to be known and to be loved. It's and, and to be fully known and fully loved is such a unique experience. Um, I think it's what the divine actually does offer each one of us to fully know us and to fully love us to have no reservations about that, to not hold anything back from us. Um, but to actually get to experience that in the community of other people, I think is that's, that's the fear, right? That's, it's the fear that if I'm fully known, then I won't be fully loved. If I'm fully known, if I'm fully honest right now, then somebody at some point is going to reject me, whether it's a boss or that, quote unquote patron saint of the church who's been there for four decades and everybody looks up to them because their grandfather attended before they did and they're still in the church and uh, you know what will they think of me or or what will my mother or my grandmother or my grandfather or the pastors in my family like what will they think about me I think that part of part of what it is to be alive though is to be honest 
with where we're at, with what we think, with how we feel, and to to also get to experience somebody who fully loves and accepts us as we are in that space. Yeah, I, and I think that's, I mean, that's the entire reason that we've started this podcast is to create that safe space for people who are realizing that they've got questions, hard questions, mm-hmm. you know, um, for people who have realized that maybe they're needing to um, cut some beliefs out of their lives or, um, you know, readdress some things that they've been given. And mm. I know for me, I think I've wanted to start this podcast because I I wish I would have had somebody f- there for me when I was going through all of that and feeling yeah. like I I needed somebody to, you know, listen to my questions and my doubts and not give me some Christian answer, you know, and, you know, for someone to, to have somebody in my life who um, would just allow me to seek out uh, something and allow me to wander and not call me lost um, and allow mm. me to, to wonder about things and not force answers down my throat because they're afraid that I'm going to, you know, leave the faith. Um, yeah. And for, yeah. So for me, I, I think I, I, my hope for this conversation, this ongoing conversation is to allow a safe space for people. Um, but also to just allow different perspectives into the conversation and, Uh, I think a lot of conversations are heavily dominated by Christian beliefs and, um, and I want to offer alternative perspectives, uh, that might be more helpful to people. I want to offer wisdom, but also knowledge and scholarly work. Um, I want to be able to look at life, um, through multiple angles and, you know, I want to be able to bring in philosophy and psychology and, and religion and, um, in hopes that people will find something that they didn't know they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also if we have any, you know, Christian listeners who aren't resonating with us, that it would challenge them, I think yeah. is, is, you know, is my hope. And, and I'm not claiming, I think neither of us are claiming to have all the answers, but, um, I think in just pursuing this together, I think is, is something that is divine and yeah. Um, so Stephen, you identified at the very beginning, you said that you were a perfectionist and, and I'm an idealist, a pessimist, pessimist, and, uh, which are two very odd things to, (laughs) to coexist, but I'm also, uh, I'm also, I mean, maybe it's my idealism. I'm also so hopeful, um, that there's, uh, like a third way, I guess, so to speak, a better way forward. Yeah, yeah, it, and and the way that I've personally have found that I lean into is is being more aligned with the mystic teachers or mysticism within Christianity of saying, um, like you had just said, like I don't think we have all the answers. Um, no, I absolutely know I don't have all the answers, and I'm and I've actually, I'm I'm always growing in this. I'm always growing in this, but I've actually reached a place where I'm okay with not having all the answers. Yeah, I like knowing things absolutely. Um, but I also really like not knowing everything now. And maybe yeah. that's because it feels easier. Uh, I feel like I'm not so suffocated all the time to have some sort of like really, th- I don't know, uh, incredible answer. There's there's a lot of me that just really likes being able to press into God is far more than I can ever perceive um, or comprehend. As Peter Rollins says, the second that you name God, you denominate God. And I think that that's a, that's a big thing that both of us actually embrace and live by is that in order to more fully understand uh, who God is or, or the divine, we also simultaneously embrace a sense of not knowing and that that's okay because God is too great, too grand, too, too, too much for us to fully comprehend but that that's a part of what it is to know God is to also embrace that. Um, so pessimist, uh, idealist, mystic, uh, those are some things that I identify with. And, and since you shared reasons why you've wanted to start the podcast, uh, some of the reasons why I've wanted to for, for years and literally if you, I mean, if you're listening to this, I have literally wanted to start a podcast for four years. Um, it has looked very different throughout the years, but, um, I have always waited for 
the right moment and whatever that's supposed to mean, uh, really for my insecurities to, I think, um, dissipate and I, and I'm not there yet. Um, but I feel like now's a good time to do this nonetheless. And so one, it's been a long time coming, so that's a good reason to start a podcast. But another reason is, um, I want people who are listening, if you're listening to this, I want you to know that you're not alone. Like I said earlier, what I was able to be offered by different podcasts that I had heard was that knowledge that I wasn't alone, but I, I didn't get to experience that necessarily. And I, at least with so many physical until I met Steven, and I hope that you get to experience that as well. But I want you to know if you haven't heard anybody talking on these topics yet or express these things to you, I want you to know that if this is the first time you're coming, coming in contact with it, there are thousands, millions, probably maybe even hundreds of millions of people who would identify with you right now where you're at with your questions and your doubts and your fears. And I also want people to know um, that I actually think it's unifying that we be a non-judgmental presence to one another. Because if we can, if we can offer each other a non-judgmental presence, uh, I think that automatically what comes with that is grace. Um, what comes with that is acceptance. What comes with that is belonging. I think that the immediate experience of a non-judgmental presence, uh, that it's equivocal with, with unity because now you belong in my space and I belong in yours and it doesn't matter what we think or say or how we feel. We know that both, both parties in this, in this relationship, that both of us are going to be able to offer each other, um, a place where it's safe. You get to speak, you get to feel, you get to express and you are still going to be accepted. And um, I also want this to be a place where people learn to value traditions that are um, uh, far spread throughout Christianity, whether whether it's things that are reaching back into our Jewish history or if it's things that are coming up and, and some more of the modern deconstruction kind of um, what will eventually be a, a tradition of Christianity. Um, I, I want people to know that there's a variety of ways to experience this faith and this person that we follow, uh, that, that Jesus isn't limited to maybe the church that you grew up in, but Jesus is for all and that each of us are, are doing the best that we probably can with the revelation of the divine that we've received. Um, but that there's other ways of seeing this and that those other ways are also okay. Absolutely. Yeah, so whether you're resonating with us or, or not, uh, we're thankful that you've tuned in and, and spent this much time listening to us. Yeah. Uh, and wherever you are and wherever you are heading, we're excited to be a part of your journey. And we're looking forward to sharing uh, more on upcoming episodes. Uh, so please subscribe, comment, and share if this has been helpful at all or even if it's been challenging you. Uh, in any way, um, connect with us on Instagram at the noncast. Uh, that's the no spaces N O N C A S T. Uh, again, we're so thankful that you're joining us and we hope that we've given some sort of valuable content for you today. Peace be with you. <laughs>